0: Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining us on what is to be a fantastic show. If you don't know me, my name is W.J. Sheehan, and I am the author of a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon in eBook and Paperback. And volumes one through six are available at on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So do partake of that and help us do what it is we do. And without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, And I will bid you
1: adieu. Okay, maybe not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's happening, brother? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Okay, doing good, doing good. You know, uh, I hate to mention it, but, you know, COVID is still uh, chewing away at us over here, and uh, we're doing our best to provide ourselves and our listeners a little hiatus from what is becoming the
1: norm lately. No doubt about it. We're all all ready for the next normal, whatever that presents itself as. We're tired of this normal. (laughs) <laughs> Can
0: we call this abnormal yeah. heading towards normal, yeah,
1: kind of like young Frankenstein, you know the brain <laughs> Abby it was Abby something Abby normal
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my my brain is like uh turning to jello here with all of this isolation uh. and uh closures and, uh, everything else that's not going on.
1: I'll tell you what though, not to get all political on our podcast, but I'm a little worried about some of these States that are going back, you know, to me a little early, like, you know,
0: well, there's no doubt about it. And they're certainly not in the business of healthcare because, uh, I am dreading some of the stuff I'm hearing because we are just turning a corner of getting ahead of this in the institution we work in. And I'm sure it's the same in other uh, major facilities who are at the forefront of this. And these numbskulls uh, marching around in the street with no masks on, claiming they wanna work, and who are you to tell me I can't work? Uh, they're like uh, heading down a rabbit hole from which there is no return. I just, I, I dread the thought, and I pray, dear God, you know shed some light on this mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what, you know, so uh, I'm blessed. As you know, I can work from home. We're in, my, in the household here in North Carolina. We're taking it pretty seriously. Like, we, we're we staying home. We're working from home, all of us. And, uh, yeah, we're tripping over one another. It gets frustrating, you know, et cetera. But we're, we're, like, trying to be safe and keep everybody else safe. And then, Bill, I don't think I told you this, but... I had a door that ended up being broken here, you know, not not to anything dramatic, but it just, it, outdo, outside door, is broken, and I'm like, okay, so I ordered a door from one of the big box stores so that I didn't have to go there, right? I did the right thing, and then uh, the door comes in, gets delivered, so on Sunday, I'm taking the old door off, and of course, as I'm taking it off, like all the wood is rotten, you know, So I'm like, Uh okay, I'm digging out all of the rotten wood. I'm looking at the wood I have in the garage. I'm like, all right, I got to go to the store and get some wood to fix this thing. (laughs) Yeah. So I go on Sunday, right, to the big box home improvement store. I won't say their name. And Bill, it was like nobody there got the memo. It was like the 4th of July. I mean, hard to park. I had my mask on. I actually had my safety glasses on, you know. Because I was working at home, so I had them up on my head. I was like, I should put those on. They're like a, a shield, you know? Certainly. And I'm in the store. I would say about 30% of the 4th of July crowd in this store had masks on.
0: Just 30%? 30%. Yeah. Well, you know what, Kev? You know, I I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, obviously, you know what I do for a living. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if people could come, if you were allowed to take a tour of the facility, which you're not, there are no visitors allowed at this time. And people uh, in certain job capacities are not even allowed to go to the units where the COVID patients are. That's how serious this is. These people are out of their minds. And I hope you're listening to me. As I tell you again, you're out of your mind yeah. if you're walking around out there without a mask out there and thinking like nothing is going on no, and crazy. it can't happen Absolutely to me. crazy. Yep. So anyway. Anyway,
1: back to Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bill, last <laughs> week you surprised me with what turned out to be the Air Force survival map that made specific mention and description of Sasquatch, right? Yeah, that that is correct. All right, so this week, you have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about two things that are totally unrelated, but I'm going to lead out with a surprise. That is, as I was looking for this map, I found something else very interesting that you're going to like. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what might that be? So it turns out
1: in 1975, the United States Army Corps of Engineers, very reputable group, right? They said they're reputable? Yeah, well, you know, they released (laughs) (laughs) what's called the Washington Environmental Atlas. Okay? Mm. So it's a 114-page book. It turns out it cost about $200,000 of taxpayer money to make and over three years to research and compile. And the Atlas has, you know, official maps, graphs, reports on uh, the different animals, zoology, physical geography, uh, et cetera, the land borders, right? Archaeolog- archaeological sites, rivers, lakes, all the normal stuff. And now, what are the parameters as far as what is the coverage of this book? What does it entail? Washington State Environmental Atlas. So it's just Washington State. Just Washington State. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So um, they uh, the book went into great detail talking about plants, you know, the spruce tree out there, the Pacific dogwood, etc. And guess what else they talked about?
0: Well, you know, it's right in my wheelhouse, bro. And you and I both know, without even me answering what was in there, they had uh, Sasquatch material. The
1: hairy man Sasquatch.
0: What a guess on my part. I know, I know,
1: but pretty interesting, right? (laughs)
0: Now, listen, did you hunt for this book? Can we
1: get a copy? So believe it or not, I went to this online archive. I registered for it because, like, the search for this book led me there. And uh, then after I registered, I got approved to be a subscriber there, etc. cetera. Then it said, not available on this site. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> so I will find it. I will find it. But All right. I do We're have another website here and a gentleman named Adam Benedict that is quoting from the book. Okay? So okay. I'm going to read you some of that. So it's pretty interesting. So the description there says uh, the very existence of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, as it's sometimes known, is hotly disputed. Some profess to be open-minded about the matter, although stating that not one piece of evidence will withstand serious scientific scrutiny. Others, because of particular incident or or totality of reports over the years, are convinced that Sasquatch is a reality. Alleged Sasquatch hair samples inspected by the FBI laboratories resulted in the conclusion that no such hair exists on any human or presently known animal for which such data is available.
0: Ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, 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 warning, (laughs) warning. So then they go on and they say, information from alleged sightings, tracks, and other experiences conjures up the picture of an ape-like creature standing between 8 and 12 feet tall, weighing in excess of a 1,000 pounds and Mm. taking strides of up to 6 feet. Wow. Only 12 feet, huh? Well, yeah, you know. It's Washington. (laughs) They got small ones out there. (laughs) A midget. (laughs) And then plaster casts have been made of tracks showing a large, squarish foot, 14 to 24 inches in length, and five to ten inches in breadth, reported to feed on vegetation and some meat. The Sasquatch is covered with long hair, except for the face and hands. Wow. Yeah, and they go on and on about it. um, And it's interesting. So this is pretty cool. So they say, as soon as the Atlas was released to the public, residents of Washington instantly took it as proof that that the United States government officially regarded Sasquatch as living, breathing, and an existing creature. Why else would the Army Corps of Engineers write about it in their book?
0: Yeah, again, why? Right.
1: And then it's in not the a, book... It's, this they is had, not a,
0: a Batman comic. No, and you know, in this... the book
1: they had maps that showcased the sighting locations as well as breakdowns of the evidence that was found at encounter sites. Why would they publish this to the masses if the creature wasn't real?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an impossibility. It's not this is not a, a script for some false play or some weird uh movie uh that's coming up. This is a legitimate uh uh entity uh part of our government, part of uh, our society, an integral part by uh as a matter of fact. And they don't write about nonsense. No, I don't.
1: So wow, so you could imagine, crazy. they released this in 1975, people in Washington State, especially, it's not that long after the patterson Gimblin film, right? You know, relatively speaking.
0: Yeah, what was the release of it, or when was it
1: 1975.
0: Completed? Yeah, so you're talking uh, less than a decade. Less than
1: 10 years since yeah. the patterson Gimblin. and you remember, that was a big deal in the early 70s. So... So then what happens? The Washington population is like, what the heck? This thing's real. So then, yeah. so then, of course, they come out with the press releases and stuff from the government, right? I'm sure the federal government went to them and said, what are you doing? We're not supposed to talk about said hairy man. <laughs> <laughs> so they come out and they say, while, while officially stating that Bigfoot did truly appear in the Atlas... Which is kind of funny, right? right? right. Like, you know, I know you have the Atlas in front of you. It's in print in black and white. In fact, you read it correctly. It did appear in the Atlas. It says the government of Washington state made it a point to make it known that Bigfoot was not an officially recognized species of the state of Washington or of the United States of America.
0: It was accidentally.
1: And I think they they didn't say it here, but I think they also said it really doesn't have the right to vote either in an election. (laughs) In case anyone was wondering.
0: Yeah, but they make damn good (laughs) woodsmen.
1: They are available for guide trips inside the interior part of Washington State.
0: Well, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. (laughs) I sleep all night and I work all day. Can you picture
1: a Bigfoot
0: in lumberjack gear? Yeah, a
1: little red and black flannel shirt.
0: (laughs) I'm here reporting for duty. Comes across
1: Paul Bunyan and Babe and says, you're kind of (laughs) small. Just saying.
0: Kev, what was the name of this book again? I'm I'm cracking myself up here. I
1: I am too. I got to go back to the beginning here. So it's... uh, (laughs) The Washington Environmental Atlas.
0: I'm right I'm writing this down because I know we'll talk, Oh, but I yeah. gotta write it down.
1: 1975 edition.
0: Uh, right. And I will find uh, this
1: thing because it what a what a souvenir to have,
0: right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh if it's out there, I'm getting
1: it. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> eBay.
0: <laughs> oh my god. You know, everybody and their brother who listens to this podcast is going to be banging on a door for a copy of this uh, after they hear this show, you know? no doubt. Uh, But unfortunately, folks, we're hearing it before you. (laughs) Uh,
1: But also, unfortunately, I don't have 10 copies that I'm selling on eBay.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) So, folks, you still have to give us good reviews for the podcast, you know?
0: Yeah unbelievable. Wow, that is a real mind-blower. Isn't that cool? Isn't it isn't it funny how one one door opens to another? It's
1: exactly it, Bill. Like right after we did the podcast cuz I didn't know what you were going to talk about, right? You surprised me. And right. uh I was like started searching, started searching. And then I was like, "Holy cool. Check this out." You know, and I tried to get the original book, which would have been really awesome, but this is, you know, this this is uh, 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 quoting the original publication.
0: Right, right. Now, that's super cool and very, very interesting indeed. And, of course, we'll be on this uh, now and going into the future. Anytime we find something or run across something, we're be- beating the bushes uh, to try to get to the bottom of things as best as we can. And whatever we don't do in one show... We'll do in another when we have some more uh, data available.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And by the way, to all our listeners out there, if you got a copy of this book, let us know, especially you folks out in the Pacific Northwest.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Super. Cool. I'll pay top dollar for it, folks, but not more than 20 bucks.
0: <laughs> top dollar, <laughs> top dollar. Top dollar. And I'll give you an autograph copy. Not more than folks. you'd you pay for much.
1: a nice baked pie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, out here in, uh, in one of these, uh, do you remember that old uh, bakery out in Riverhead, kept Brian Mears? Oh, yeah. They,
1: they had all the pies, right?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, we used to go out there, and I remember, like, in the 70s, I think uh, a fresh-baked pie was, like, 6 bucks, and you could buy a day old for $4. Uh, I believe the pies out there now are $30. Oh. Can you imagine paying $30 for a, a peach pie? <laughs> No. I mean, I don't like anything that much, bro. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> That's what happens when you have vineyards next to the pie place now.
0: Yeah, these people come out from the city and they'll drop anything when they're out there. It's like going to uh, a theme park, you know. They expect to get hammered for whatever they buy, you know. <laughs> but for the locals, you know, the people who have been supporting this place all through the many, many years... Now it's like, you know, that $30 for a pie is a little out of reach for a lot of people, you know? it's not that good. No, no. no. Well, that is fantastic. All right. Well, I got another
1: journey to take you on, too, because we are going into some cryptids tonight as well. Awesome. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready. I love cryptids. All right.
1: So have you heard of Colossal Claude? Colossal
0: Claude? I'm not making this up. Is that Claude Van
1: Damme's cousin, <laughs> Jean Claude? Only if he grew up in the ocean.
0: <laughs> no, I have not heard of the. Colossal so this is awesome. Claude.
1: I I actually heard something about this many years ago when I lived out in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, it was refreshing when I came across it again a few weeks ago. So,
0: awesome. yeah. So,
1: colossal Claude is uh, a bit of a sea monster. That was spotted back in the 1930s, and there were a lot of accounts of Colossal Claude, okay? So, wow. So the the one I'm going to talk about here, let me get to the right place here in my notes, uh, happened in 1934, and the okay. skipper of a light ship, which was the Light Ship Columbia. Let me make sure I get that right, the Light Ship Columbia. And Bill, you know what a light ship is? Well, if if my memory serves me correctly,
0: uh, these ships uh, were replaced in many places by a
1: formal lighthouse, exactly. correct? Or they existed somewhere where they just couldn't build a lighthouse.
0: Right. So they would basically anchor somewhere and have peop- a couple of people on board to keep the boat exactly. afloat. Exactly.
1: They're anchored in place. You see, like models of them or little ceramic things, you know, when you're out doing tourism. They usually had two towers on them with one light and a secondary backup light, you know, like two masts of a sort. Yeah. And they usually, again, they're usually like a reddish orange, and then they have the name of them printed in big white letters on the side of them. So, you know, if you came across it, you'd be like, uh oh, this is the Columbia lightship, you know. Uh, yeah, well, also too, the
0: color scheme was meant to stand out like a buoy, you absolutely. know. Absolutely. So in
1: 1934, the skipper of the lightship tender, you know, so the the boat that goes back and forth bringing supplies and people out to the lightship, uh, that was called Rose. The tender was called Rose. Uh, it okay. returned from dropping off relief crew on the Columbia River lightship with a remarkable story. Yeah, and it seems that the entire crew of the lightship, plus the crew of the tender, saw a huge snaky thing swimming around the ship. OK, so like a sea serpent. Wow. Yeah. And a first mate aboard the tender called Rose, uh, his name was L.A. Larson. He said it was about 40 feet long and it had a neck some eight feet long. A big round body, mean-looking tail, and an evil, snaky look to its head.
0: Wow. Well, let me say this: I'm glad that the first na- uh, mate's name wasn't Rose. I got a little confused there. I know it's there a little that.
1: confusing with all the roses here. <laughs> and the first mate wasn't called WJ or KJ. It was LA. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. And they go on and they say that not everybody agreed on every particular of the monster afterwards. So the captain of the Rose, his name was Jay Jensen, he told the Morning Oregonian, right, the periodical of the time, that the creature's head looked more like that of a camel than a snake. Hmm. But all of the witnesses agreed on almost all of the other details. So they disagreed on what the head of the beast looked like.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Now it's funny, Kemp, because uh the first description that you said and then followed by the one guy saying that the head looked like the shape of a camel. Yeah. Uh do you realize that that is the description given by a number of witnesses to champ, the Lake Champlain exactly. monster?
1: Exactly.
0: And some people have given Nessie, the Loch Ness creature, that description and head description.
1: Well, and I've come across about 20 of these, you know, sea serpent-like creatures and various lakes, including there's one which I have to investigate at a local lake here called Lake Norman in North Carolina. Wow. So I was I was on, in this COVID-19 crisis, Bill, I was on one of these social, uh, uh, social get-togethers on Zoom conference. With some of my uh, sailing uh, sailboat racing buddies, you know, for the listeners out there. I like to race sailboats as a hobby. And some of them for over at Lake Norman and somebody else was saying, you know, Kev does this podcast on Bigfoot and other cryptids. And they were like, get out of here. He doesn't, you know, I like, no, he does. You know, that's the guy behind the voice. It's funny, because people don't realize it sometimes. <laughs> and uh, um, and they were like, oh, you got to do one on the Lake Norman Sea Serpent, whatever. I forget its name, but it's like Champ,
0: you know. Now, Lake Norman is a place where the Bass Pro Tour fishes, oh, yeah, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah. That's a big body of well, water. Well, they fish right down the road from my house, Bill, at uh, Falls Lake here. Wow. Yeah. We got some good fishing. We're trying to get you down here for some of this fishing. There's some good fishing. Yeah, you know, I got... I got freaking problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't mind. Let me give a plug in here talking about I got problems because I like to do this. Uh, For my listeners, for all listeners, uh, over a decade ago, I had prostate cancer. And I had my treatment, which was uh, external beam radiation. And you guys out there need to get your PSA checked. And don't fool around with that because it could kill you. But after I had my treatments, let's just say things haven't been the same with me internally.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so, folks, by I the mean, way, just to be clear, the PSA check won't kill you. <laughs> Prostate cancer right. will not kill you if you don't get the PSA check. All it right. is is right. when PSA- you're getting your blood checked, go in there. And whether your doctor says you qualify for it or not, just say like, hey, while you testing all my blood, te- check my PSA, especially if you have a family history.
0: That's right. And uh, so I'm okay, thank God. Uh, A long time out. But those 43 radiation treatments, uh, although you're just laying there, you don't feel anything, you kind of walk in and out, and you're like, did anything happen? Well, yeah, things definitely happen. Uh, Because later on in the years, I had a look inside of my bladder at the urologist with a scope, and I could actually see the burn. Mm uh on the bladder from what the radiation had done yeah, it's radiation for sure yeah so you know folks just uh anyways well you know i'm a practical joker here so i but i just figured i'd do this as like a public service announcement yeah, and
1: get the checkup get the checkup it's way better to get it caught early than later that's right so didn't mean interrupt no you, problem but- we're back to the sea serpent we're leaving your bladder yeah. behind <laughs> so, a few, le- few years later in 1937, the serpent was back in the news. This mm. time, the crew of a fishing trawler. Now, don't get confused. We had the tender named Rose, and here we have the trawler named Viv. Okay. Viv so, and but Rose. It's not the crew, isn't named Viv. The boat is named Viv.
0: This is again over by the Same uh, place. Columbia River Same area. Place, yep.
1: Wow. They reported that Claude had reappeared, and, and who named him Claude? It's uh, one of the crew of the Columbia River Lightship. Actually, in some of the writings, they're like, "Okay, like they get the lamest marketing award, uh, you know, for coming up with the name of Colossal Claude." Yeah. Now, see,
0: to me, before you you clarified this, when you first said Colossal Claude. I was thinking of something with two big claws. Oh, sorry. You know, like a lobster. Yeah. <laughs> the colossal clawed monster, you know. No, this is like, like Claude that,
1: Van Damme. You were onto it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Wow, that's crazy. So go Yeah, ahead. so
1: it's crazy. So the captain of uh, the fishing trawler, Viv, his name was Charles Graham, and he described it as a long, hairy, tan-colored creature with a head of an overgrown horse about, and that creature was about 40 feet long with a four-foot diameter waist. Wow. This thing's big. And again, it's a captain of a sea, uh, a fishing trawler. So, you know, captains back in the 30s, not that they're not now, but it's a reputable job. It certainly you know, is. people and, think and you're I... crazy. You don't get to take the boat out next time.
0: Yeah, Kev, you know, and it's the same thing we talk about all the time with hunters and fishermen seeing big. Exactly, they know like, what they're seeing. Like, they don't know. Very bizarre. You know, it's not
1: like somebody said, oh, you know what, maybe it was a striped bass.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but look, a captain over there, he's, he knows what an orca looks like. Absolutely. They probably know all what a sea creatures. lion is. <laughs> Boy, excuse me. That is bizarre. So get this.
1: So a few months later... Another report comes in from a couple who's on the shore and they're visiting a place called Devil's Churn, which I have been to, by the way, 120 miles south on the Oregon coast. What is it? Devil's Churn. So it's like a uh, where the water comes in and roars around, you know, the Oregon coast, of course, is this one. It's 1000 percent picturesque. It's so beautiful. And it's one of the best kept secrets in the United States of a place to go. Uh, So there's just no people there. Absolutely beautiful, harsh coast, cold water, fog coming in, and lighthouses all the way along it because so many ships were lost along there through the years. You know, fantastic.
0: By the way, I have a couple of accounts right out of that wheelhouse that you're talking about. I'm going to have to make it a point to dig Let's them Let's dig up. them
1: out, because that's cool. I've done a lot of hiking out there along the Oregon coast. It's spectacular. Wow. One of my favorite places. So this couple, uh-huh. they've been admiring the scenery there around the Devil's Churn, uh, and just offshore, they saw this hairy thing that looked like an aquatic giraffe with a, <laughs> yeah, with a neck and maned head like a horse mane sticking up 15 feet above the water. They estimated it at 55 feet long. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is such a bizarre thing and now we have three different people. You know see cuz a, a a as you know a camel's head looks quite a bit different than a horse. Yep. And a, gir- a giraffe Maybe in my mind's eye at a distance, I could see a camel or a giraffe. Similar shape, you yep. know? Very
1: weird, man. Yeah. yeah. And then they, so they see it, and they see it headed up the coast. They jump in the car, and they race after it along the coast, and they go to a place called Hesedahed, which, again, I've been in the Head Lighthouse, which is spectacular, by the way, in hopes, and they raced up there in hopes to get another look at it, and they did. So they saw the thing, they watched it for a few minutes, and then it turned away from the land and headed out to sea, and they lost sight of it.
0: So this thing was just cruising the shoreline with its head up like a periscope. Yeah,
1: like you'd see a whale or dolphin or anything else.
0: Absolutely,
1: that is incredible. Absolutely. So, what's your what's your take? Do you think all of these things being
0: seen are in fact some type of plesiosaur? So we're going to get there.
1: Plesiosaur is definitely okay. one of the theories, by the way. So, so you're on to that. Um, uh huh. So then, uh, another report in 1939. So a couple of years later, the crew of a fishing boat. Thank God this one didn't have a woman's name. <laughs> it was called Viv and Rose. Argo. Ah, Argo claimed the closest sighting yet. So again, Hmm. just off the Columbia River, their captain, his name was Chris Anderson, reported that the monster passed within 10 feet of the Argo, Wow! and its head and snaky neck was jutting 10 feet above the waves. Wow. Yeah. So this is like...
0: You've just basically pulled three captains out of a hat. Exactly.
1: In the same area hey, come on. within about four years.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying that all of these three guys are drunken sailors. No. Even, a, even a drunken sailor doesn't imagine that.
1: No. And he, he said, this is the captain speaking, he said he could have sunk us with a nudge. His head was like a camel's. His fur was coarse and gray. He had glassy eyes and a bent snout that he used to push a 20-pound halibut off our lines and into his mouth.
0: Wow. So it came up almost like, you know, if we were uh, in my boat uh, dragging some spoons or something behind the boat to attract something to come up and bite. Exactly. This thing must have seen this halibut and came up and said, ah, dinner. Yep. Flapping around. Wow. Pretty wild. That is freak. That is bizarre. Yeah. Colossal Claude. Colossal
1: Claude. So, and he he really hasn't been seen since. So, Uh you know, there's definitely a theory there that it's, you know, something that made it through the ice age, right? Which could be, you know. And then there's other creatures out there. There's one of them called the oarfish that I looked up. And this oarfish, I'll put some pictures on our uh, website. Have you ever heard of this before, the oarfish?
0: Yeah, I've actually seen the oarfish.
1: So I hadn't seen one before. But, you know, some of them are like 30 feet long.
0: Yeah, but this doesn't sound... No, I know. I I know, but I'm just saying. It doesn't sound like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I mean, the concept, and and of course, this is cryptids and other oddities, so anything goes here. But I think what's really interesting about this is that people saw this thing, a lot of very reputable people saw this, like we said, sea captains, right, of of ships. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they came out in the public, you know, one of them talked to the newspaper about it. So they're not going to do that if they're not telling the truth, because they could lose their captainship, right? And yeah, and they're trying to be legitimate. Tra- and uh, the descriptions, though, across the years match one another shockingly. And it's like, yeah. isn't it possible that this creature existed out there and, you know, we just don't know that it's there? Of course. Yeah. You know, the There's ocean no is so of- big, just like the rural parts of the world, you know, whether it be the Himalayas or the Pacific Northwest... Or wherever I mean they're so rural and they're so sparsely populated, who knows what's out there?
0: yeah, to me, it's more naive uh it's more naive to discredit these three captains and the other guys that saw it than to say uh it does it's exist, degree, you know 100%. I just, yeah, just doesn't make sense yeah. to me, Wow, that is incredible, so there
1: you go, colossal Claude,
0: yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> Any pictures of Colossal Claude? Were there any artists, renderings or anything? You
1: know, not, not much. Just those detailed descriptions. I'll keep looking, though.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting, Kev. That is excellent uh, cryptid in by history. the way, if you
1: want to sketch one up, I'll put it on the website. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: I'd rather sketch the Bigfoot right. dressed as a lumberjack. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. With, with, like, an 80-inch steel chainsaw custom-made. <laughs> ah, look at that guy go. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I've got something uh, pretty cool to follow that up with All you. All right,
1: rock and roll.
0: And uh, once again in this account, we have a fisherman. Uh, who runs into something very unusual, as you're about to hear. Now, this following remarkable encounter uh, came to my attention by a fellow named John Avery, a resident of Bangor, Maine. And this is what John Avery had to say. He said, I've been fishing, and in particular, fly fishing in Maine for as long as I can remember. I can recall in great detail after having been granted the right to drive a motor vehicle my first trip up to the St. John's River to salmon fish with my canoe in the back of an old international pickup truck. Since that day and time, I believe that I can honestly say that my canoe and fly line have touched virtually every body of water in this state at least once. But this story, which I came to you with, is not about the St. John's River, but about a trip I took to the South Lake and Stream, located in what is known as the Mount Cathedin region, which is named after and dominated by Mount Cathedin, a ruggedly beautiful wilderness peak in one of the most magnificent areas of the entire world. Now, let me break briefly. Kevin and listeners,
1: does that Cathedon ring a bell to you? You know, it sounded familiar, but I'm I'm struggling locating it in my mind. So that's why I'm glad you, you took a pause here.
0: Well, I did take a pause intentionally because another account that we went over some weeks back uh. was the couple in the canoe in Cathedon. Uh, park, or whatever it was, that saw the Bigfoot launch an attack on the moose in the oh, shallows. Oh, yeah,
1: in the marsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's correct. This is that same Kathedon area. Huh. So, this many years apart, but the same area. Right. So, blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. It was actually in 1968 that I planned three days of fishing in these two connected bodies of water for trout. If I had nothing else in life, I had a beautiful canoe. My canoe was hand-built by an artisan in Bangor. It was made of pure cedar and had, a basket, weave, uh, had basket weave seats. The interior and rails were finished with 20 coats of varnish, and the outer hull was bright red. In the same light, my international had never been washed while I owned it, which made me wonder how the same guy could own both things. So he's got to poke it at himself. Let's just say it's a matter of priorities. My plan for the weekend was to spend three days trout fishing in the stream. But I like to access the stream via the lake. So that's where I began my excursion. I always packed a small army pup tent and enough non-perishables for a few days. The water was quite good directly from the stream at the time, so the only thing I was left to do was catch trout and eat them by the campfire. When you enter this stream, there are a fair amount of areas where you must portage to the next viable spot for canoeing further on. But my habit was to locate good pools, after which I would put the boat on land and fish from a nice flat rock. For the most part, the stream looks the same throughout. It was the cusp of the fall, and the leaves were just starting to turn. The trees were all tight to the stream's edge, and here and there one could find a clearing well-suited for camping. Over some three hours, I had landed several nice fish and had them lying on the bank on top of a flat stone. I was resting while smoking my pipe, enjoying the sounds of nature while sitting on a small boulder in the stream. I had finished my bowl, and tapping it clean, I began to cast my streamer back into the pool. It wasn't long before I had another nice brook trout on the fly, and I landed it. As I turned to walk out of the stream with nothing in my mind other than to place the fish with the others, I suddenly noticed that my other fish were gone. Now, I must tell you that I had on a number of occasions experienced a raccoon sneaking out of the brush and taking a fish from the bank. By the way, that's exactly what I was talking about in the Connequat River uh, a couple of weeks back. Right,
1: when you were fishing there.
0: When I was fishing. So my immediate thought was that of a raccoon, and possibly more than one had taken my catch. So this time, I put my catch in a canvas pouch behind me. It was getting late, so I made a fire, and that night I ate one fish instead of four, thanks to the raccoons. In the morning, I slid the canoe back into the stream and paddled just a little further down and ran across yet another beautiful pool. Now, just so you understand, this trip was not about exercise. It was all about relaxation and getting away. So I really didn't care if I paddled a yard or a mile. In fact, I was actually going to stay right where I was. At any rate, I was now at this second pool, which looked quite promising. It appeared to be about five feet deep and had a nice flow going in and out of it. And I could already see some nice trout set up into the current. On my first drift over the ripples, I had a three-pounder on the line and landed him. As was always my habit, I once again set the fish on a dry rock near the stream's edge and continued fishing. Like clockwork, I had soon landed several fish and was once again lighting a bowl of tobacco. The funny thing was that today I was thinking about the raccoons from yesterday, and I was only a few hundred yards away from where I had been doing the very same thing the day before. As I was enjoying the bowl, I was sitting in a way where I could just see the fish out of the corner of my eye on the rock. I really wanted to catch the little rascals in the act if they were to return today. I must have been sitting there for 10 minutes or so, puffing away, and I had kind of forgotten already that I wanted to watch the fish, when I heard a slight rustling in the bushes. After which, my peripheral vision was now fully committed to watching the fish on the rock. As I told you before, the brush by the stream was obviously well watered and growing quite thick, but having never entered it, I didn't know what was on the other side why there could have been a horse trail there and you would never know it. So I sat watching and waiting for the raccoons to make their move on the fish. It was moments later that an arm of immense proportions with a black leathery hand equal in size stretched out of the brush reaching some five or more feet and with one clean grasp hauled in all of the fish from the rock and pulled them back into the brush. I knew in an instant that it was not a bear, and I was now in fear of what this arm and hand was connected to, and it was less than 20 feet away from me, obscured by the bushes. Whatever this arm was attached to must have been laying down, because the arm had come out extended extended being maybe only a foot from the ground. I actually stood up and quite slowly walked away from the bank and into the stream, not wanting to startle whatever it was and let it know that it had been found out. When I tell you that my heart began to race, that is an understatement. I had my tent and gear maybe 40 feet away from where the hand had emerged, and I wasn't too keen on meeting whatever a five-foot-long, enormous uh, arm belonged to. I think I stood in a stream for almost an hour, not daring to catch and place another fish on the rock. For me, it was decision time, and I had mustered up enough nerve to get back out of the creek and start to quickly break down my camp. My hope was that, as sneaky as this thing was, It wouldn't do anything to reveal itself since I hadn't done so up to this point in time either. I packed my canoe, sliding it gently back into the stream and actually paddled back and portaged through the night, arriving back at the lake in the morning. The only thing that I could add to what I have already told you is that the forearm seemed to be some eight inches in width, and the fingers of this hand appeared like they were the size of bananas. When I saw the hand, it stretched open like a net and clutched all of the dead fish in one grasp. It probably could have done the same if there were five or six fish. That's how wide the spread of this open hand was. It wasn't until years later that I realized what I had encountered that day, and I have pretty much kept it to myself over the years. What do you think of that, Kevin?
1: Great description, especially in the end. There, you know, fingers like bananas and just reaching out and grabbing, literally a handful of fish.
0: I mean, you know, if you've ever tried to grab a a, a trout, this it's hard to grab one. Buggers, yeah, and this thing just kind of. And I mean, like grab I one just, when
1: there's a hook in its mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, very. Uh, uh, well, I know from trout fishing. Once they sit on the bank for a little while, the slime kind of loses its uh, uh, slipperiness. Yeah. But still, still, just to grab a pile of them in no, we'll one grass a pile and of pull them, them, them
1: away—handful, no way. I got big mitts. I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. But again, really interesting. You know, here's a guy just out chilling out alone. Uh, in the middle of freaking nowhere with his canoe, doing a f- little fishing on the fly, smoking a pipe. And uh, he's thinking the coons are getting the best of him. And lo and behold, this is what comes out of the brush next to him.
1: Yeah, which is what we would think, right? Raccoons next to the river, of course.
0: Well, you're not thinking a five-foot arm <laughs> with mitts like bananas.
1: Otherwise, you wouldn't be out there, let's face it. <laughs> oh, my God. You'd be fishing with a and Mac y- 10.
0: Y- <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go again with the Bigfoot obviously on the crawl. Yes. So these things slither around like, you know, army rangers in the woods. Yeah,
1: which, of course, makes them hard to see because we've talked about it. You're always thinking of seeing it like the Patterson-Gimlin film, like, you know, strutting along. You're not looking down at the ground for something that's 12 feet tall. Right. But maybe you should be.
0: And he... Yeah, and again, it uh, brings me back to the face in the egg story, yes. right? Same thing. That guy was by a stream and saw oh, something like that. last odd. summer this when guy- I was
1: up in Alaska. You know, I was in some of these spots. And, Bill, I was looking for the face and the eggs. Like, I'd be looking <laughs> in the bushes down low. I was like, oh, where are you?
0: Yeah, somewhere around watching yeah. you. Jeez, that is freaking crazy. Super cool. But, yeah, great account, you know, and then. Honest Abe kind of guy, kind of poking himself about how his truck is like, kept like garbage <laughs> and his canoe is like a
1: jewel. You yeah, know, it's good stuff.
0: So, yeah, neat, really neat. And again, you know that Cathedon uh, region. Uh, obviously, there's something going on over oh, there. No. You know, that's uh, two different people uh, in the same uh, gunshot range of. Uh, well, I've never been there, so I don't know, but. If one place is named after the and the other is named after the cathedral, it's got to be oh, yeah. the same vicinity. Yeah.
1: That's well, we see that a lot, you know, different accounts occur in the same if not specific area, definitely the general area.
0: That's no yeah. doubt.
1: We got the hot
0: I we mean, got the it, hot spots. You, yeah, you look at the uh the that glow in the dark map of Bigfoot sightings. Yeah. I mean, there are areas up in the Pacific Northwest where it's like pure white. Exactly. So, there were like sightings happening virtually on top of each other up there, you yeah. know? Incredible. So, there you go.
1: Cool. Great story. Very cool. Great account to go with Colossal Claude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the kick, kickboxing sea serpent. Exactly. We, well, we got some great <laughs> listener mail. Thanks again to everybody for continuing to write in. Great feedback. We're going to go to Yanni in Finland. Yanni. Cold, dark place. I've been there, Yanni. Pretty cool place, actually. Not just in temperature.
0: Now, it's half, half the year there in darkness. Oh, yeah, it's no? pretty dark.
1: Wow. I was there in Helsinki. Uh, first time I was there, years and years ago. And uh, the this absolute true story. The waiter comes to my table. And, you know, Helsinki, you're pretty close to Russia up there, you know. And okay. uh, they told me you know, in broken English that they had a bear special and they asked me if I was interested in the bear special. And I thought they said beer special. And, Uh um, I said, sure, I'll try it. And, uh, you know, like 20 minutes goes by and I'm waiting for my beer and they bring out this thing that looks like a paw of a bear. Yeah. And it was a paw of a bear. And I was like, oh I was like, God. what is that? And he's like, that's the beer special. And uh and I'm like, that doesn't look like beer. And he's like, yeah, beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh crap. Uh, I'm not eating a beer. So what foot. happened with
0: that uh, beer special? Did you well, eat? Well no,
1: it? all I wanted was a beer. <laughs> I didn't want the whole bear, I wanted a beer. <laughs> So, you didn't go there to eat. You went, there went there to have to a have beer. I went to have a beer. Like, I just flew in. Yeah. Anyway. Unbelievable. Anyway, so beware of the bear that, special. Went in. Yeah, Helsinki. that is crazy. So, Yanni from Finland, not to be confused with the waiter that sold me the bear, he says, This <laughs> skinwalker thing is most disturbing. My opinion is that of yourself, WJ. This does and could only come from the very depths of hell itself. Ah, there the you go. The fact that such evil can present itself in our world should be enough for everyone to wake up and seek the face of God. But they won't. <laughs> and then he says, "All the best to you, Kevin." <laughs>
0: What a way to sign out. It was like a Billy Graham.
1: <laughs> Does that mean like uh, I don't have a whole I don't have a prayer either or? <laughs> <laughs> But they vote. Well thanks, Yanni, what I think. You. And you, you wrote that before <laughs> I told you the bear story. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But we agree with you, Yanni. I mean that is some creepy stuff, that skinwalker.
0: Yeah, no, and anything shape shifting between oh, one God. appearance and another is not normal. No. no. Well, he's right to the point, Yanni. A man in no, and if you're completely soul.
1: fooling all the scientists, there's something else going on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know when you when you try everything science has to offer to figure something out, and you're being blown away at every turn. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's maybe. something that nobody knows anything maybe about. It's Hello. Pure evil. Yep, that is freaking evil, man. The skin wash.
1: All right. From Ilmud in Kuwait. Amazing. We get letters from Kuwait. Finland and Kuwait. Exactly. Fantastic and most entertaining. Your blend of presenting a variety of subject matter is perfection unleashed on the globe. <laughs> you gotta get him on the website. Bill. <laughs> We need him as an ambassador. God, I'm kidding. And he says, <laughs> I have nothing to report other than I enjoy the show immensely. What do you mean you have nothing to report? You said your blend of presenting a variety of subject matter is perfection unleashed on the globe. That's hardly nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, that's Awesome, And that's, that's a great letter. You know, I mean, just uh, giving us a little pump, you know, and... Uh, Saying hello and that's it. You know, I'm inspired by anybody who's
1: inspired. I hey, I love I love hearing from everybody, you know. So
0: Absolutely.
1: All right. So we're <laughs> gonna go now from Kuwait further east to Thailand to Victor. Thai. Thailand yeah, Thailand. Thailand. Been there too. And he says, yeah. I wanna thank you gentlemen for a wonderful podcast. Perhaps you would be interested. In the orang pendek, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but orang pendek. You are. You are. Okay. Yeah. Creature in this part of the world. It seems to be a somewhat smaller version of the Bigfoot phenomena that is prevalent in these parts. Generally reported as being smaller and reddish-orange in color, according to reports and sightings. Keep it up. Mm. Yeah, Kev, that's uh that's a critter that's
0: gotta be on our radar. Okay, yeah, I haven't the heard. Orang of that pendek.
1: One, but it sounds a little bit like those uh apes that we uh did an episode the rock on in Vietnam, right? Cambodia.
0: Yeah, the rock the rock, rock apes. apes. Yeah.
1: All regional, you know yeah. what I
0: mean? Like different names, probably the could same be. creature, you yeah, know? Could be. Yeah, that orang pendek... uh uh, I was actually first uh, had my eyes open to that thing on it. Uh, I think it was an episode of Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. Oh, yeah. And he went over there looking for the orang pendek, I oh, think. Okay. Uh, if not, I'm just giving him a pump because I like the He's guy. He's a good guy. But, yeah, they uh they were talking to some old guy with a yak up on a terraced hillside, you know, with a, bear, a straw hat on. Uh, And, you know, once again, here we go. Like, what is this guy? He's wondering, what are you even doing there? And he was talking about having one of these things approach him where he dropped his bag of coffee and left his animal on the hillside and ran away. Mm. So people in those parts don't leave their food products laying around and run away in their animal. These are very valuable possessions. So uh, something freaked him out. And probably uh quite a few other people regionally over there. The orang stuff
1: will definitely put him on the list. The orang oh, yeah. Him or her. All right, our last note comes in from Roland in Quebec. And he says, okay. speaking of creepy, I too have heard the howls every year when we hunt moose. Hmm. This leads me to believe that the two species are intertwined regionally perhaps vying for similar food sources. Although we see moose, Mm. we don't see them. Mm. One is obviously more intelligent than the other, in my opinion. But what exactly the howling's purpose is remains a mystery to me and and those I hunt with. I will say this much. Anything that can produce such a loud sound... Could tear oh you limb from limb in a heartbeat. Yeah. And he says, best show on earth. Not to be confused with Ringling Brothers. That's my commentary. <laughs> Listener for well, life, no, we... Roland.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Well, you know, Ringling Brothers is not know, in existence anymore, so maybe we could take
1: over. I, best you know, show but we earth. don't want to do the whole cruelty to animals thing. <laughs>
0: Wow, isn't that interesting? You know, just uh another guy, another hunter, uh just throwing his two cents in there that the two must share similar food sources because whatever goes around for one is available exactly. for the we other, see them right? Together. It makes sense. And uh the fact that he sees one, the moose, he doesn't see the other led him to believe that one must be a little smarter in that it can avoid detection, so to yep. speak. Very interesting, you know. And here we go with the howl again. Oh,
1: man, that howl. We got to we gotta find some more howl recordings. And our listeners out there, if you come across some, send them over. Because those things, man, when you hear them, you're like, wait a minute. That is something else.
0: Yeah. I. You know, I'd like to have the Bigfoot howl as a doorbell. Yeah, I like that. You know, you hit the plug. maybe a ah!
1: ringtone on my phone.
0: <laughs> Sorry, people that? didn't mean to oh, blow it's you scary, up. Sorry, man.
1: I better take this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I better take this call before he takes me.
1: All right, folks. Well, that's another episode. Uh really wanna thank you for listening, uh, tuning in. I hope we are able to distract you from this COVID 19 mess that's out there. Continue to be safe. Please take care of yourself and your loved ones get your mask on, stay at home, whatever the orders are. And uh, by the way, continue to please stop by right now if you can, open up your favorite podcast player and leave us a five-star review. You know, we it takes those five-star reviews to bring other listeners to the podcast, and we need you to compensate once in a while somebody to leave us you know, less than five stars, probably because they're mad at their iPhone or something like that, not to do with the podcast. (laughs) So come on right now, please leave us five, five star review. It'll bring in more listeners. And if we get more listeners, we get a higher quality podcast for all of you. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Awesome. You know, and uh, just as a side note, I walked into the uh, bakery the other day and some guy said to me, you know, it's good to see somebody else wearing a mask, and I had left mine on the dashboard of the car, so I don't know what he was getting at with that. Ah.
1: Uh, <laughs> he was coming after you. Good night, you. everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, my friends, it was good to be with you for yet another episode. And remember, if you're out walking in the woods this week, always carry more gun that you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.